We're taking you from sideline to sideline and everything in between. It's your one-stop shop for all things football. Join me, Aaron Mukes, every Wednesday and Friday for fresh takes, breaking news, fantasy gold, and more. College and NFL, we got you covered. This is Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... Here comes the rush, and here's the hit. Second down attempt. Oh, what a hit. You can't do that. The quarterback, you can't fight. The 40, the guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20, they're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms. Here, tested. Somebody stop that man. Ladies and gentlemen, now your host, Mr. Aaron Mukes, and his co-host, Akeem. This is your one-stop shop for all college and NFL football. Here is Sideline to Sideline. Welcome into Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. I am your host, Aaron Mukes. Man, I'm full. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, man, but it's a, it's a week since Thanksgiving, and, and I'm full. I, I ate a lot of food. Had a good time with the fam. Hope you guys celebrated it well. Uh, got to watch some good football games or lack thereof football games, should I say. Um, but not much to see on Thanksgiving, man. We uh, we watched Detroit get blown out by Houston. We watched uh, the Cowboys get blown out by Washington. Although it was later in the game when they when the blowout started, they, they didn't play well. And we obviously missed out on the Pittsburgh and Baltimore game due to the covid pandemic, which we will get to a little bit later um, once we get into our sideline to sideline talk. But first, I just want to say uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I know it's belated. We didn't have a Thanksgiving Day show. Um, We appreciate you rocking with us. We're three weeks away from Christmas. Hope everybody's staying safe, staying warm, getting their Christmas shopping done for those that are uh, that are doing that. but yeah, we're, we're blessed to be here, and we're going to get right into it. So let's go sideline to sideline. Let's rock. All right, so some first some news and notes out of the NFL, some game scheduling shifting. Uh, we noted it on the fantasy show, obviously having fantasy implications. But I wanted to touch on the specifics. Uh, Pittsburgh, Washington is being moved to Monday night. So there'll be a Monday doubleheader, Pittsburgh, Washington, as well as Buffalo and San Francisco. And then Baltimore and Dallas has been moved to Tuesday as it stands right now uh, with all of the, you know, the fluid COVID stuff and the flexibility the NFL seems to be having. Um, it looks like they really, really want to get these games in. And uh, I mean, I applaud the NFL for that. It's it's one thing to, to sit up there and say, okay, we want to protect the players and player safety. And, and I get all that. And that's important. And, you know, that's first and foremost, the, the forefront of the conversation should be player safety. We have to remember that this is a business. At the end of the day, it's business. It's an entertainment business. And these owners, these the league, um, these television ratings, all, all this stuff is about money. And, and it's a business. So j- just same way we're having this outrage in our local communities about small businesses being shut down and we don't like it. And, you know, there, there's two sides of the coin. Obviously, some people are saying, yeah, we need to be safe. Other people are saying, hey, I can't afford this. We need to be working. We need to be, oh, things need to be opened up. The NFL has the same issues. It's just on a larger scale. So before you start, you know, criticizing the NFL about playing games when they shouldn't or, you know, competitive balance, you have to remember that they're a business too. And they're trying to stay uh, above board and afloat. And for everybody that thinks just because they make millions of dollars, that they don't have the same issues, you're wrong. Because their small things that happen to them cost them millions of dollars. So when there's not fans in the stands, it's costing them millions of dollars. And so it's very relative. And I think we need to understand that. So it's the conversation of, you know, athletes make too much money. Well, they also generate a lot of money. So uh, just keep that in mind when when we're discussing these changes and and be flexible and be open. And again, I applaud the NFL for doing what they can to implement these protocols and consistently, you know, come down on these teams that aren't following them. And, and frankly, giving us something to watch because that, you know, five months or whatever we had without sports, it was rough. 
regardless of what you want to say, I mean, I know not everybody's a sports fan, but if you're listening here, you're a sports fan. And it was rough not having anything on. So I applaud the NFL for what they're doing. And um, last night there was a fun fact that the Seattle Seahawks were the only team in the NFL that haven't had a player test positive. I think that is something to to be proud of. So uh, hats off to Pete Carroll and his staff and um, the Seahawks organization and players for taking it serious and following protocols and doing what they need to do to to make sure that they're able to suit up every Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, it seems like, um, and be ready to play football. So um, another COVID kind of related story was this past weekend was the Broncos and the Saints game. Uh, if you didn't hear, Jeff Driscoll uh, contracted COVID, and unfortunately, they were in a meeting room or something, and all the, the Broncos quarterbacks were considered close contacts uh, because they weren't wearing masks, and the contact tracing basically put them on the COVID list uh, the day before the game, or a couple days before the game. And so it left the Broncos without any real quarterback on their roster. So they had to kind of um, they had to bring somebody up from the practice squad, a receiver. And to play quarterback for them. And it, it was just rough. That, that, that game was rough to watch. Uh, there was one pass completion the entire day. It was a pass to Noah Fant for 13 yards. Uh, but, you know, shout shout out to to the kid. Um, he he did what he could. You know, it's one of those things. He hasn't he hadn't played quarterback since college. It was one of those situations where he was a, a quarterback for a year or so before he was um, forced to kind of switch positions. And, it, it you know, it, for people that were clowning him, it, it really bothered me because the guy's name, I mean, it's Kendall Hinton. So, by the way, Kendall Hinton, he went to Wake Forest. Uh, you know, he was a he was a high school state champion at quarterback. And then you go to college and you're a starting quarterback and you struggle and then you switch positions. Now, this is what we talk about when we talk about how difficult it is to play in the NFL. Kendall Hinton won a, a, a national championship, basically, in high school or a state championship in high school, and he couldn't complete a pass in the NFL. He completed one pass, two to the other team, but one pass to his own his own teammates. So when people talk about, oh, this player's trash, this player's this, I want people to remember that they might be that in comparison to other NFL players. But don't get on here talking about you can do what they do, because I've, I've been guilty of that myself. Oh, I'm better than this guy. Everybody knows knows me, knows I hate Jeff Heath, and I'm telling you, I can play safety better than him. Now, that's me, you know, poking fun and making jabs. But in reality, let's be let's be serious. We all know that I'm not better than Jeff Heath at safety. And but in comparison to other NFL players, we might say that person is trash. These guys are not trash. These guys are uh elite level athletes, the best in the world at what they do. And that goes for everybody that I make make those comments about, including guys like Carson Wentz and, uh, you know, Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles. These guys, when I say trash or when other people say trash, we have to look at it in a vacuum. It's in comparison to other NFL talent caliber players. It's not in comparison to you and I, because obviously they're better than us. So we can't do what they do. Um, it's it's just so, so so people on Twitter that are going in on Kendall Hinton and talking about they could play quarterback better and complete more passes and yada yada dude just stop you're not an elite level athlete you're not playing the position uh, the the kid I give I give him mad props for going out there and doing what he can do and and you know stepping on the field and, and playing and being able to say he was one of the one of the few in the world that can say I played starting quarterback or I played quarterback for an NFL football team. There's very few people that, over time that could say that. And, uh, you know, so my hat's off to him. And it, it was just bad. Like, it was it was tough to watch. It looked like a, a, a peewee offense or a high school. It may not even a high school offense nowadays. They're throwing the ball all over the field too. But like a peewee offense. Like back in the days when we were running wishbone and, you know, wing T stuff and, uh, you know, just power, just running. You know what I mean? Like a lot of trap, a lot of, a lot of stuff like that. So it was – it was it was funny to watch. Um, they you know the defense played well. They kept it close for a while, but the offense just couldn't get into a rhythm, couldn't move the ball. And unfortunately, the Saints are a really really good football team. So where does this leave the NFL? I mean, what the NFL is is doing its best. We've had games postponed. We've had 
teams without quarterbacks. We've had key guys missing games. Well, so where does the NFL go from here, and how do they approach the rest of the season and the playoffs with COVID? Well, I have an idea. Keep doing what you're doing. I think the NFL is doing just fine. Um, I think the NFL is now f- oh, almost 13 weeks in. They've had one instance where they've decided to postpone a game into a different week and change bye weeks. One game. Um, I think they've done a really, really good job of contract contact tracing and you know isolating these, these incidents and keeping them contained. We've had, what, two outbreaks now, one in Tennessee, which caused the game to be postponed, and then one in Baltimore, which we've kind of just pushed back and pushed back. And hopefully, um, I'm recording this on a Tuesday. The game is scheduled to be played Wednesday. Uh, Hopefully, that Baltimore-Pittsburgh game gets played. But I think they've done a good job. I think they've had some pushback from some players, and, you know, they've taken some shots, but the players need to understand that they signed up for this. You know what I mean? Like, so they... Remember, the players have the chance to opt out. So any player that has um, beef or doesn't like what the NFL is doing, you should have stayed home. You should not have played. Uh, you had the chance to opt out, and you didn't. So you basically agreed to all the 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 weird, uh, you know, wonkiness of when games are going to be played, are they going to be postponed. You agreed to all this because you had the chance to opt out. So I don't want to hear anything about being unfair or anything like that. Uh, every team has to deal with it. Every team has to follow protocol. And maybe you should be a little bit more diligent in how you're how you're handling those protocols to keep from an outbreak like we've had in Baltimore. So the NFL and COVID, um, they are looking at some, some playoff scenarios. Uh, I, I don't want to see the bubble. I really don't. I don't want to see teams playing the same location. I think it's fine now. I know there's no fans in all the stands, but part of the NFL and the playoffs, that home field advantage is just so big. And the mystique of a Lambeau Field or uh, Kansas City, it's still there, regardless of whether there's fans there or not. You got to come into my house. And coming into my house means you got to play in our stadium, on our turf, make that travel. I, I want to see that. So I don't want to talk about a bubble. I think the NFL should just continue what the NFL is doing. Uh, other news we had Will Fuller. Now, get this. It's funny because I think this happens far too often in sports. A guy has an amazing game, and the next thing you know, they're suspended for performance-enhancing drugs. And I'm not saying Will Fuller, the reason he's you know had such an amazing game on Thanksgiving, was because of those performance-enhancing drugs. But it's hard, you know, not to bring that up when four days later, you're being suspended for six games, or you're announcing you're suspended for six games. Um, due to testing positive for some performance-enhancing drugs earlier this season. And, you know, I, I applaud him for getting out of, in front of it and talking about before the league even announced it, he went on to Instagram or Twitter and said, hey, this is what happened. I was prescribed something and yada, yada, yada. So I, I applaud him for that. But now the Houston Texans, who were already not going to make the playoffs, are down their best wide receiver for the remainder of the season. And again, we touched on it in the fantasy episode, how, how that could hurt Deshaun Watson um, and the Houston Texans overall. But it, it begs the question. I want to I take this a different route. Will Fuller, over the first four years of his career, four or five years of his career, has been known as this guy who's struggled to stay healthy. Right? We, we've all talked about it. He's been on the field, off the field. He's, he's struggled to stay healthy. And now you see a situation like this where he gets popped for for performance-enhancing drugs, and you start to wonder, well, was he was he only healthy? Because, was he only healthy? You start to wonder, was he only healthy because of the performance-enhancing drugs? Like, would he have gotten hurt again? I mean, he's been in the league five years, so this is his fifth year. He's never played a full season. He was on pace to play a full season this year. He, he, his number of games have literally not surpassed 13 or 14 since his, since the rest of his rookie year. They've gone 10, 7, and 11 since then. So he's been in and out of the lineup. And he has a guy, he's a guy that's talented. Like we've all raved about his talent and how much better he makes Deshaun Watson. I mean, Green Bay was going to go after him this year. Can you imagine right now if Green Bay would have made that deal and traded for Will Fuller? 
only to then later find out that he's suspended for six games because he took performance enhancers earlier this year. Um, so, you know, good on Green Bay for not making that deal. Um, somebody, uh, so he had a teammate who also tested positive. And uh, I made a joke yesterday about, damn, I wonder if they were sharing the same needle. <laughs> like, these guys, they will do whatever is necessary to get on the field. And it's not necessarily looking for a competitive advantage. A lot of people think when you take steroids or when you take a performance-enhancing drug, they're looking for some competitive advantage on the field. Well, for a lot of these guys, it's just to get back on the field or to stay on the field. And I think that was the case here. I think, you know, uh, he's had, he had an issue of being hurt. He probably wanted to, to avoid that or get back quicker from a small injury, and he took something, and here we are. And, you know, it's, it, it's nowadays we, we're, we quickly forgive. He comes back next year. He'll miss the rest of this year. He'll come back next year, be on a team. Uh, I think he's a free agent, so he'll be on somebody's team. Somebody will sign him. If he goes out and makes plays and doesn't test positive again, he'll be fine. He has all the talent in the world. He'll be fine. I mean, look how many chances we've given guys like Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon. And this stuff is, is far more severe than some performance-enhancing drugs. So especially in the NFL, I think guys get – if you have the talent, guys get chances. So um, we will kind of keep an eye on how that plays out. But I just felt like, you know, good thing Houston wasn't, you know, battling for the playoffs or anything like that because I think that would have been a huge blow to, to their team. And I think it's going to affect Deshaun Watson for the rest of the season. Okay. Now that we got through those quick hitters, I uh, got a few topics I want to get to today. And I got a special rant for everybody. Uh, it has nothing to do with football. Nothing at all. But uh, it's going to be fun. I just want to have a little fun with it as we, as we close out the, the holiday weekend and head into the final stretch of the NFL season. But first, before I get to that, I want to talk about the Saints. And I mentioned them earlier when they played the Broncos. And I want to talk about them because I feel like they're one of the most underappreciated teams in football. And I mean, we all know that Sean Payton's a great coach. We all know that Drew Brees is a great quarterback. We all know that Alvin Kamara is one of the best running backs in football. Michael Thomas, one of the best receivers. Like, we're, we're not talking about the, the talent level of the Saints. We all know they're super talented. What I want to talk about is their continued success over the years um, amidst adversity, amidst, um, you know, a revolving door, new players and They've just stayed consistent, although they haven't been able to get over the hump. And every year we talk about them as a contender, as a favorite, and this year's no different. Right now, they're the number one seed in the NFC. They're without their starting quarterback. They spent half of the year without Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara hasn't been as involved. They're starting a quote-unquote gadget guy at quarterback, and yet they continue to win. It's amazing. They, they continue to win. And I don't think that anybody, I don't think anybody saw this coming. I think a lot of people saw Jameis Winston was going to be the guy. But Sean Payton and, and Taysom Hill kind of get foreshadowed this uh, happening when they talked about it at the beginning of the year. When he signed that deal, he basically said, hey, if something happens to Drew Brees, I want my shot first. And that's what he got. And, you know, he might not be the best thrower of the football. But he's a dynamic player, and he's considerably considerably better than people thought. Uh, I think that he's done a really nice job in the offense. They use him really well, and Sean Payton is one of the best. He knows what he's doing. And now they're you know eight and two, looking for a home field advantage, even if it's not with the loud crowd in the in the Superdome. Be playing in in New Orleans is going to be big, um, and and they look primed to to make another Super Bowl run and. You know, they've had some bad luck. Let's not forget the the pass interference call that they, you know, that they didn't get. Let's not forget the the following or the year before that when uh, Stefan Diggs makes that play. A little bad luck and final play of the game. And and they end up going to to the NFC Championship game where I think the, the Saints were were primed to win that year. Uh, so they've had some bad luck. They've had they've had some unfortunate things happen, but they continue to, to show up every week and win the game. And I, I, I said at the beginning of the year, let's not, let's not forget, I have the Saints and the Chiefs in my Super Bowl, and I've never wavered from that. I still think that's the case. Um, I think it's a little bit tougher for the Saints right now. They need Drew Brees back to get there, I believe. Uh, 
But that defense is playing as good as anybody. That defense is playing as good as anybody right now. And I would not bet against Sean Payton. And I would not bet against Drew Brees. And if he can come back healthy, I think they're in a good spot. We've seen holes from every NFC team there is. Uh, I think their biggest competition would probably be Seattle at this point if their defense continues to play the way it's been the past couple of weeks. Green Bay looks good, but their defense is suspect. Tampa Bay has had some huge issues on offense. Um, and then you look outside of that, the Rams, they can't beat the 49ers. They seem to show up sometimes. Arizona is one of those teams that's continued to be up and down. Uh, it. It's it's looking pretty good for, for the New Orleans Saints to be considered the top team in the NFC. So I look for them to continue their, their run. Um, I, I, you know, they have a fairly easy schedule down the stretch. So I think they're gonna ha- I think they're gonna fit nicely with trying to get that, that home field advantage. I think that they'll you know they'll be able to get past Atlanta this week, um, who they just dominated last week. Um, and, and it should be easier for them to to go ahead and, and take that number one seed. And it's so important this year, right? Because we every year we talk about having home field advantage and the number one seed or number one or two seed. And this year it's just one seed. So everybody else has to play wild card weekend, except for those, except for those one um, that one seed. So I look for them to, to continue to stay hot. I look for them to capture that number one seed, get a buy, have home field throughout, and make a deep playoff run possibly um, into the Super Bowl. So I'm, I'm excited for them. I hope Drew, Drew Brees gets back. Uh, not too soon, though. They need to rest them up. They're, they're in a good spot. Get them healthy. And it wouldn't hurt that I have Taysom Hill on my fantasy teams. Um, and he's scoring a lot of rushing touchdowns right now. So I'm I'm happy with that. So, uh, But I really like the Saints. I like, I like where they're headed. And I just want everybody to give some credit where credit is due to Sean Payton and that staff because they've done a really, really nice job. And the defense is playing really good. Really, really good. All right, it's time. My rant of the week. It's uh, it's a two-part rant. It's one of those things where, where people are going to have a different opinion. And that's okay. I'm okay with them not agreeing with where I'm at on this. And some of you may be like, why am I wasting my time with this? Because this is important. Okay, this time of year, this is important. Last Thursday is my favorite day of the year, okay? It's Thanksgiving. You know, anybody that knows anything about me, knows me personally, and if you don't know me personally, um, I'm sure you could tell by my page or, you know, all my social media platforms, three things matter to me <laughs> um, over the years. Three three things are really, really important to me. It's the three things I love most in this world, okay? It's football, it's family, and it's food. And it's food, right? And and football, family, and food, the three Fs. That's why it's my favorite holiday. It's Thanksgiving. I don't care about anything else. We don't, we don't talk about anything else. I don't football, family, and food. That's it. All those other holidays you can keep, Christmas. I mean, they're cool, whatever, but Thanksgiving is where it's at. So I talked to I talked to a lot of different people. On this topic. And where I want to go with it is Thanksgiving Day foods. Which ones do you care? Which ones do you care for? Which ones do you not care for? Right? Like I, I'm everybody, we everybody's traditional nowadays, right? Everybody's got the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the macaroni and cheese. Well, I'm gonna rank them. We're gonna have we're, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna rank what where these stand and why they stand there. Okay, so so here we go. And I'm, I'm going to get into the rant part of it in a minute. But I want to talk about where these foods rank on the Thanksgiving Day meal scale. Okay, so when we talk about Thanksgiving Day foods, first of all, let me get this out of the way. The turkey is overrated. If you're one of those people that like turkey, let's be it's overrated. Nobody really likes the turkey. We make it because it's tradition. If you, if I'm coming over to your house for Thanksgiving and you tell me, man, we got this bomb turkey, and then you name all the side dishes, you could cut the turkey out. I'm probably eating the turkey just because, 
little bit, a little, little piece of it, throw some gravy and some cranberry sauce on it because I don't really want to taste it because it's not that good. It doesn't matter what you do to it. I don't care if you brine it. I don't care if you smoke it, grill it, deep fry it, put it in the oven. It doesn't matter. It's not that good. Turkey meat is already dry and you can do whatever you want to. It's just not that good. There's some better things I'd, I'd much rather have. Number one. So number one for me is the meat. But what I base my Thanksgiving around is the ham. And I don't care what anybody says. Number one is the ham. You have to have ham. <laughs> ham matters. Okay. And, and if you have a ham and you ain't got no glaze on that ham and it's just regular ham, eh, you're going to lose some points. Ham is where it's at. Okay. That's the meat everybody should be praising. And I think it's underrated and I think it doesn't get enough attention, but that's where it's at. That's where Thanksgiving starts is with the ham. You have to have a ham. If you don't have ham, don't invite me. Don't invite me to your house. I don't want to go. I don't want turkey. I want ham. All right. Then we get into, then we get into the side dishes. Right, a lot of different side dishes people make. You know, people make dressing or stuffing. First of all, we'll get into that in a minute. Macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes, uh, you know, sweet potatoes, yams, all, all kinds of different different side dishes, right? Starches and stuff like that. Um, macaroni and cheese is where it's at. And if you don't make a good macaroni and cheese, don't volunteer to make it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, I don't know how many people think they have the best macaroni and cheese in the world. Everybody thinks they make good macaroni and cheese. Oh, well, it's good to me. Well, we're not you. And if you can't make macaroni and cheese, please don't volunteer to make it because you ruin the whole day. You ruin the entire day. Like my day is ruined. If I, if I wake up, I'm like, man, food, football, family. Here comes dinner time. We're in the middle of the Dallas Cowboys getting blown out by the Redskins or whatever the game is. The Cowboys and the Bills last year. And I sit down and I get my plate of macaroni and cheese and I take a bite and it's bad. My whole day is ruined. My whole day is ruined. If it's not good, don't volunteer to make it. Not everybody can make macaroni and cheese. Okay? So macaroni and cheese is the number one side dish. It's a must. If you don't make macaroni and cheese on Thanksgiving, don't invite me. Don't invite me. Don't invite me over there if you're not going to have macaroni and cheese. I don't want to go. First question I'm going to ask. Um, I love I love mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes are, are amazing, but let's be honest, mashed potatoes is something you have all the time. We don't need to have mashed potatoes for Thanksgiving. It's fun. They're good, but I don't need to have them. They're not a necessity. If we're going to leave one thing out, let's leave out the mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes are just mashed potatoes. I don't care how you make them. They're mashed potatoes. Throw some garlic in them. They're just garlic mashed potatoes. So um, if you have them, great. If you don't, who cares? I'm not going to throw a big fit about mashed potatoes. And I've had some really good ones, but it's not the end all be all. I'm okay without the mashed potatoes. This is where the debate gets big. This is number three. This is the, the third must for Thanksgiving. And, and they're made different ways. Some people call them candied yams. Some people call them sweet potatoes. Some, I don't care what you call them, but I don't want, I mean, sweet potatoes are fine. Candied yams are fine, but I'm half white and half black. And I, was, I have a lot of black friends that said, this is the white side of me. And I have a lot of white friends that said, I never heard of this. So I don't know what it is. I don't know what kind of, if it's uh, African-American culture, American culture, black, white, I don't care. I want the canned yams. Give me the yams that are in the can, throw some marshmallows on that thing, cook them and, and serve them to me. If it don't have marshmallows, I don't want them. Yep. I, I, that may be weird to a lot of people, but I don't care. And if you don't like it, don't invite me. If you don't have them, don't invite me. I want my yams out of the can and I want marshmallows on them. Simple as that. This year we were, we, we held Thanksgiving at our house. We had uh, just small, small family, small gatherings, a few family members come over and we weren't going to do the yams. And then we're in the store and I saw the marshmallows, just a bag of marshmallows, just sitting there staring at me, calling my name, Aaron, Aaron, hey, psst, Aaron. So I looked at my wife and I said, uh, we should make some yams. And she's like, oh, I got to make yams too. I'm like, yeah, you know what? We're going to go without, but I would be going against my own principles, my own rules. You have to have the yams at Thanksgiving. It's the third best thing there. And they're amazing when they're leftover. And you could even throw some new marshmallows on them and cook them in the microwave. It don't matter. They're amazing. So for those that don't like yams, whatever, I don't care. It's not your list. It's my list. Yams, you have to have them. You don't have them, don't invite me. 
Don't invite me. I will stay home. I will cook my own. Don't invite me. All right. Okay. So then, you know, these are, these are all nice items. And then we get into the kind of the vegetables. A lot of people like casseroles and green bean casseroles. No, we don't need all that. Not everything is meant to be in a casserole. Like America has a thousand casseroles, a casserole for everything. Even throughout the year, it's just casserole this and this casserole and the potato casserole and cheese casserole and lasagna casserole. Like, why does everything have to be turned into a casserole? I don't even like casseroles. So if you're going to make some food, just green beans. Perfect. Doesn't have to be in a casserole. Greens. Perfect. Okay. Asparagus. Whatever you want to make. I don't care. But not everything has to be a casserole. Uh, but greens are a must. And I'm not even a big green fan. So... A lot of people think I'm weird, don't like watermelon, don't like greens, but I do eat greens once or twice a year. Um, Thanksgiving, I'll eat them for whatever reason. They're just really good on Thanksgiving. They mix well with the, the you know, the ham, the turkey, the macaroni and cheese, all that stuff. They, they just mix well. And then you need a vegetable, obviously, because we're already eating so unhealthy. You want to act like you're doing something right. So green greens are my my fourth. That's kind of the the must. So if you look at that, um, so ham, mac and cheese, yams, greens. That's a dinner right there. You got your meat, you got your starches, you got your greens. But there is nothing, there is nothing that compares to a sweet Hawaiian roll to top off your Thanksgiving, okay? Nothing. There's nothing that compares to that. If you are a person that thinks rolls are overrated, then you're not eating Hawaiian sweetbread rolls. You don't need them homemade biscuits, eat a Hawaiian roll. It's They're amazing. They're not filling. They can go with anything. They're soft. They're sweet. They're rich. They're, I'm telling you right now, if you don't have a Hawaiian rolls at your Thanksgiving Day meal, don't invite me. I won't come. I won't come. <laughs> at first, matter of fact, I, I invite my brother-in-law to, to Thanksgiving this year. And the first thing he asked me is, hey, Aaron, you got Hawaiian rolls? That's That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Come on over. When you're having Thanksgiving at my house, you got Hawaiian rolls. If you don't have them, don't invite me. Simple as that. Don't invite me. And then the last debate that we need to talk about uh, as far as foods go. And, and that's that's cranberry sauce. You know, it's it's, again, I don't like turkey very much. Don't really care if we have the turkey. But if you're going to have turkey, then you better have gravy. And you better have cranberry sauce. Why? Because I'm going to drench my turkey and all that stuff. So I don't have to taste it. I don't have to have the dryness. I don't have to have the, whether it tastes good or not. I don't really like turkey. But if I do, if I'm going to eat it, because I'm going to be polite, I'm going to eat your turkey. I want a lot of gravy and I want cranberry sauce. But what kind of cranberry sauce? You know, we get these, do I want the original cranberries where they're, you know, they're all, they look like cranberries. Or do I want the gelatin cranberries? When you slide it out of the can, it looks like a can. Um, this one's easy. And if you disagree with this, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me about Thanksgiving. And if you don't have it at your house for Thanksgiving, don't invite me. Canned gelatin cranberry sauce is amazing. I want the sauce that comes out looking exactly like the aluminum can. Where you can cut through it with a butter knife into little slices and you can eat it plain. That's the kind of cranberry sauce I want at Thanksgiving. If you don't have it, don't invite me. And for everybody that says, ew, that's gross, I don't care. I don't care. You don't have to invite me. But if you don't have it, I'm bringing my own. And if I can't bring my own, then I'm not coming. Don't invite me. It's, it's very, very simple. Canned cranberry sauce that looks like the can. I want the lines and everything. I want to see the lines in it. You know exactly where I'm supposed to cut, <laughs> right? There, there's little slices. Um, yeah, man, it, it's a must. Um, I don't like the turkey, as I mentioned. Got to have cranberry sauce. Got to have gravy. Gravy's, you know, whatever it is. I don't care if it's turkey gravy or, you know, just a regular brown gravy or whatever. Something to put on top of the turkey and then slob a bunch of cranberry sauce on top. And, and that's my meal. That, that's basically my Thanksgiving Day meal. And, you know, I can't eat it like I used to. Um, eating three or four plates, things like that. I don't even eat dessert anymore. And, and, you know, apple pie and pumpkin pie, sweet potato pie, all that's fine. Whatever you want for dessert, you can make all kinds of fancy cheesecake. I don't care. Dessert doesn't matter to me. Pumpkin pie is a must, but nothing else really matters. Um, 
But the second part to this is we, we eat all this food. We cook all this food, right? We spend all day in the kitchen or maybe it's you or maybe your wife or maybe your family or friends. You spend all day in this kitchen and then you cook all this food and you might have 10, 15, 20, 25 people. But you have so much leftover, so much leftover because you're cooking for large, you know, large portions and everybody's just taking a little bit of everything. So then everybody leaves your house or you're leaving everybody's house and there's so much food and everybody's taking a plate and do this and, but you still have so much food left. So what do you do? You box it up, you put it in Tupperware, you wrap it up, whatever, and you throw it in the fridge. This is really what ticks me off. When, how long can you eat leftover Thanksgiving day food? Okay, I'm recording this on a Tuesday, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Let's start there. If you have a plate of Thanksgiving Day food in your hand on Tuesday, which we're at today, you're something's wrong with you. Something is wrong. You can't eat leftover Thanksgiving Day food that long. There shouldn't be anything left. And if there is, it's gross. Or as one of my good friends says, it's gross. Shout out to the Tokogenos. Um, no, real talk though. You cannot be still eating Thanksgiving Day food. Uh, this this is my rule. My rule is you have Thanksgiving on a Thursday. That night, you've eaten a lot of turkey, all this stuff. Friday morning, you get up, probably not, not working, just hanging around the house. You make a nice breakfast or eat something for breakfast. Lunch comes around. You're probably eating some leftovers. Make yourself a turkey sandwich, maybe shred some turkey, make it turkey soup or whatever you like to do with your leftovers. I don't do the turkey uh, leftover, but ham, whatever it is. Then dinner comes around and you're looking at each other, you and your wife or you and your husband and your kids. And you're like, man, what's for dinner? You got all that food in there. All right, we're doing leftovers. Forget it. Let's, let's have leftovers. So we're a day in and you've had leftovers for lunch and now you're getting leftovers for dinner. It should be gone. If not, if there's still more because you cooked a lot. So be it. Saturday rolls around. You wake up, get your breakfast. Hey, some people eat it for breakfast. Lunch comes around. You do the same exact thing. Hey, man, well, we're not going to go get lunch. We got food in there. Let's just have it, whatever. We got a couple of days. That is, is probably the last time you should be eating leftovers. Saturday afternoon. If you push it into Saturday night because you had a lot and you want to do one more night of leftovers, hey, by all means, get it done. If you wake up Sunday morning when those other football games roll around and you still have leftovers in your fridge, they're off limits. Don't eat them. Don't eat them. Two days. My rule, two days. Two days max. If you don't like it, don't invite me, right? Two days max on the leftovers. That's it. Two days. Two days max. Sunday, it's a new day. New week. Sunday starts a new week. Find something else to eat. Throw that food away. That's gross. Nobody wants Thanksgiving leftovers three, four, five, six, seven days after. A lot of you try to get creative. Throw that old ass turkey in a soup and then the soup sits in your fridge for four days. Get rid of it. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to, nobody wants that. I promise you, your kids are looking at you crazy. And I know if I'm your husband, I'm looking at you crazy. Don't, don't feed that to me. I'll go get something else. I'll go to Carl's Jr. I'll go get, I don't care. Don't want it. Don't want it. Off limits. Two days max. That's it. Thanksgiving is over. That Saturday, that Saturday night, it's over. After Tyson fought Roy Jones, you got to throw that shit away. You know what I mean? So two days max is my limit. That's my Thanksgiving day list. Ham, mac and cheese, yams, greens, Hawaiian rolls, and the jelly can cranberry sauce is a must. If you don't like it, what I keep saying, don't invite me. All right. Man, yeah, uh, I, I just had to get that off my chest. I thought it was a nice little tribute to Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a good one. Hope you're not eating leftovers still because if you're hearing this and you're still eating leftovers, now you're a week and a day in. Jesus, let it go. Okay, so what we're going to get into next is this playoff picture for both the AFC and NFC. Quick rundown of where we're stands, where it stands now and where I kind of think it's going to go. And then we'll talk quickly about um, one other news and notes of that should happen this past week. And then we will get into the week 13 picks. I know I spent a lot of time on that rant, but uh, it's all in fun. We got a lot of football to talk about in the upcoming weeks, so it's all good. So the AFC playoff picture, um, you know, we, Pittsburgh's the only undefeated team going into this Baltimore game, which obviously, again, this is being recorded before that game. 
But I think it's clear the top two teams in the AFC are Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Kansas City is on a whole nother level. I mean, look what Tyreek Hill did. 200 yards in the first quarter. Patrick Mahomes, they can beat you any way you want them to. Tampa Bay is a very good run defense. They basically eliminated the run from Kansas City. And Kansas City said, well, okay, we got Patrick Mahomes. He'll beat you. 400 yards, Tyreek Hill 200 in the first quarter, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, Demarcus Robinson. Like they're, They just have weapons all over the field, and then you got that guy, right, in Mahomes. But we watched them play Buffalo earlier this year in the rain, and Buffalo said, we're not going to let Tyreek Hill beat us. We're going to play too deep. We're going to force you to dink and dunk or run the ball. And what did they do? They dink and dunked and ran the ball, and they won. They will beat you however you want them to beat you. Running the ball, throwing the ball, playing defense, it doesn't matter. One of the most underrated defenses in the league is Kansas City's. They have one loss on the year, another close game against the Raiders. The Raiders seem to have just this formula. And you know, it's a division game, right? Those kind of things happen. But don't try to tell me that the Raiders or these teams are better than Kansas City because they have a loss. Though they have a loss, that's fine. Every team loses. That's the best team in football. So you have Kansas City, you have Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has to keep winning because right now I don't think Kansas City loses another game. Um, and fight, they're fighting for that one seed. I think Pittsburgh has to keep winning. And they have a chance to do it. But if they don't go undefeated, then I think it's going to be you know something that Kansas City is going to try to leap them for that, that home field advantage. Then you have Tennessee is obviously going to win that division, I believe. Uh, they just handed it to the Colts. I was disappointed in the way the Colts didn't show up. Um, so, but you have Tennessee and Indy right there. You have Buffalo right there. Buffalo looks like the best team in the AFC East. And then you get into the wild card where you have Cleveland, Miami, Indy, Baltimore, and Las Vegas. Now, I, I, I know Cleveland keeps winning. I'm not a believer. They've had a really, really easy schedule. I think they lose uh, a couple of games going forward. I think they end up dropping out. I think they're going to be around nine and seven. Um, when, when this is all said and done, I think nine and seven, I think they lose uh, quite a bit of games here going towards the end of the season. Uh, I, I think they play Tennessee this week. They still play Pittsburgh again. They still play Baltimore again. So three or four losses in their last five games is very possible. I think they finish nine and seven. They get to 10 and six. They have a shot, but they, they have a shot of getting in. But I think nine and seven is where, where Cleveland actually finishes. So they're out for me. They're, they're not in the playoffs for me. You have Miami, you have Indy, you have Baltimore, you have Las Vegas. I think Las Vegas gets in. I think the Raiders go on a little win streak here. I know they didn't show up against Atlanta, but they get the Jets this week. I think they bounce back. They win a couple of games straight. I think they go 9-7. and seven. I think Indy will go 9-7, and 10-6. And, and I think Baltimore, ideally, will get up there to 9-7. and seven. 10 and 6. And I think the three playoff teams will be Indy, Baltimore, and Vegas. I just don't believe in Miami. Uh, there's just something missing. They're just young, uh, but their future looks bright. And Cleveland, I just I don't believe in Baker Mayfield and I don't believe in that offense. So I'm looking at Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Tennessee, Buffalo, Indy, Baltimore, and the Raiders. And then we go over to the NFC. And this one I think is a little bit clearer. I think I think the NFC is a little bit clearer just because some of these teams that are fighting for the playoffs, I don't really think they're playoff teams. Obviously, you have New Orleans, Seattle, Green Bay. To me, those are the three favorites in the NFC. Um, then you have the winner of the NFC East. I don't care who that is. The Giants, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Redskins. It doesn't matter. They're going to be one and done. Um, so you have those four teams there because, you know, somebody has to make it out of the NFC East. Then you have the Rams at 7-4, and four, Tampa Bay at 7-5, and five, Arizona at 6-5, and five, and then Minnesota, Chicago, and San Francisco are all 5-6. and six. I think the way it stands right now is exactly the way it'll finish. The Rams, Tampa, and Arizona all get in. Um, I think Minnesota, Chicago. Chicago will continue to drop. They're a mess on offense. Minnesota's playing better, but I think they are just got off to a, a terrible start, and I think it's going to be too much to overcome. And I think the 49ers are just too beat up. I think without George Kittle, without Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think they're going to be able to win enough games. They got a couple of games that are winnable on their schedule um, that they should win pretty easily against the Redskins and the Cowboys. Uh, but I think... I think when it comes down to it, the last game of the year against Seattle, I'm going to chalk that up as a loss. Um, I think they play Buffalo this week. That's going to be a loss. That puts them at eight losses already. 
Um, being eight and eight, I don't think you're going to get there. I think Arizona, Tampa, and the Rams both finish better than eight and eight. So I have the Saints, Seattle, Green Bay, the Rams, Tampa, Arizona, and then whoever wins the NFC East. And right now, I don't know who that's going to be. Could be anybody. They all have tough schedules. Um, we will see how it plays out. And we'll see if I'm right. We'll see if I'm right. All right. So other news over the past week, Matt Patricia was finally fired and let go of his duties in Detroit. Thank God. Thank God. Because I was tired of watching this guy continue to just come up short. He took an organization that, you know, won. Um, I mean, they weren't winning with uh, Jim Caldwell, but they were competitive. They had a couple of seasons where they were 11 and 5, 10 and 6, 9 and 7, went to a playoff game. Um, you know, it's they were they were respectable. And since he's taken over, it, they've just gone downhill. They haven't won. And this is why... This is why when people are so quick to fire people that have had success but haven't been able to get over the hump, need to, to kind of temper their expectations about this new guy coming in. Because the new guys doesn't mean it's going to be all, you know, glory. Doesn't mean they're going to win. So Matt Patricia finally let go. I'm excited for that. Uh, I'm excited for Detroit to, to get an opportunity to, to go in a different direction and hopefully, you know, get these guys, Matt Staffords, and they got some talent on the team, DeAndre Swift. Like, they have some talent on the team. They just need to get it all together. So I'm excited for Detroit's future. Uh, we'll see who they go and hire. And I know they wanted to get a jump on a head coaching search since we've had a couple of other guys already let go. All right, it's time. Week 13, time for my game picks. Uh, two teams on by, Carolina and Tampa Bay. Other than that, full slate of games. Uh, let's see what we got here. Let's get started. We have New Orleans at Atlanta, minus three. New Orleans favored by three. We saw what they did to them last time. That defense is playing really well. Taysom Hill looks decent. Uh, I'm going to go the Saints there. Detroit, Chicago. Detroit is on the road, and they're underdogs by three. But I like Detroit here. I like them coming off a game where they had extra rest. You know, Patricia's gone. New regime. We saw what's happening in Atlanta. They're playing better after getting rid of the head coach. Houston played better after getting rid of their head coach. I'm going to take Detroit plus three here. And Chicago's just been bad on offense. Um, Tennessee hosts Cleveland. Tennessee's favored by five and a half. Again, I like Tennessee there. I think Cleveland's overachieving. I like the Titans to win that game very easily. Cincinnati heads to Miami. I know Cincinnati's banged up, but Miami favored by 11 and a half seems like a lot of points to me. And if Tua starts, I think he's still a rookie. I think he's got some things to learn. I'm going to go Cincinnati here plus 11 and a half. Jacksonville goes to Minnesota. Minnesota's favored by eight and a half. They've been playing really well. Jacksonville struggles. I'm going to take Minnesota and the eight and a half points. Las Vegas goes to the Jets. Nothing to talk about here in my lock of the week. The Raiders beat the Jets uh, more than seven and a half. Indy goes to Houston. Indy is favored by three. I will take Indy there. Houston's just lost Will Fuller. Uh, they've already lost Randall Cobb. Kenny Stills was released. They don't have anybody. It's going to be Brandon Cooks and Kiki Cutie. I think that uh, they're already without David Johnson. I think that Houston will struggle in this one. I will take Indy. The Rams in Arizona. Arizona is a three-point home underdog. I love that there. Uh, I think it's a great play. I think Kyler Murray bounces back. I will take the Arizona Cardinals in that one. The Giants go to Seattle. Nothing to talk about there. No Daniel Jones. Seattle is playing really well. The defense is starting to play better. They're one of the top teams in the NFC and definitely going to be contending for a Super Bowl appearance. I will take Seattle. Philadelphia goes to Green Bay. Again, nothing to talk about here. Philadelphia is atrocious uh, on offense. Their, their offensive line is bad. Carson Wentz is playing bad. And they don't use their weapons appropriately. I don't know what, what is going on with their offense, but Miles Sanders is not getting touches. and it's it, They just can't get the receivers the ball. I, I'm going to go Green Bay here, nine and a half, minus nine and a half. Patriots go to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. I like New England in this one, plus one. Herbert's a rookie, and Bill Belichick loves going against rookies. Enough said. I'll take Patriots plus one. Denver goes to KC. Uh, this one's a little bit different. Kansas favored by 13 and a half, but Denver, their defense plays okay, but that offense is struggles. I know they're getting their quarterbacks back, possibly, but I still like Kansas City here. I think Kansas City's on a mission. I'm going to take Kansas City minus 13 and a half. 
Monday night, Washington goes to Pittsburgh. Nothing to talk about here. Pittsburgh will handle business like they always do and beat Washington. Buffalo goes to San Francisco, or so we thought. So the Niners, uh, San, Santa Clara County has declared like a hot zone, and they have said no professional sports can be played there for the next three weeks. So the Niners will be playing in Arizona, which means they have to travel, and the Bills have to travel, which sucks, right, for the Niners. That's, I think that sucks for them. But it's 2020, and it's COVID year, so it happens. Buffalo's favored by two and a half. I think Buffalo's a better team. They're without Jimmy G and George Kittle and some key guys on defense. I will take Buffalo in this one. And then Tuesday night, Dallas will go to Baltimore, and Baltimore will end Dallas' season. Basically, um, yeah, I don't think there's a chance Dallas wins that game. So I will take Baltimore regardless of the spread. Obviously, the spread hasn't been put out yet because Baltimore hasn't even played this week yet. As we wait for tomorrow's or Wednesday's game, um, although you'll hear this on Friday. So there we have it. Saints, Lions, Titans, Bengals, Vikings, Raiders, Colts, Cardinals, Seahawks, Packers, Patriots, Chiefs, Steelers, Bills, and Ravens. Man, what a great show. Thank you guys for hanging in there with me. I know we talked a lot about Turkey and Thanksgiving, and I hope everybody had a blessed holiday. I love you guys. Thank you for, list thank you for listening. Um, keep an eye out. I got just got a logo done for my new show, Sports Uncovered. It's going to be streamed. Um, there's going to be some live shows. There's going to be some recorded shows on Instagram, and my YouTube channel is going to get created, and I got a, a new page for uh, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter for this, so I'll be sending stuff out. Hopefully, you guys like my page. Subscribe to my channel. Uh, again, I really, really appreciate you guys. I'm not doing this to get paid. I'm doing this for fun. Um, but everybody knows what I'm trying to get into. Uh, schooling's going great. I've had some great experiences. Got to network with great people, and I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep pushing, man. We're gonna we're gonna make it. So, um, thanks again for for listening. Sideline to sideline podcast. Follow us at S Two Podcast on Twitter. Sideline to sideline underscore podcast on Instagram, and then just Aaron Mukes, uh, my sideline to sideline page on Facebook. Um, and then we're, we're we're headed down the stretch, man. We're headed down to the the stretch of the the NFL season and college season's wrapping up. And I know we didn't get to too much college football this year, but it's been crazy with all the canceled games. And um, hopefully we can get some more episodes in about college as we enter the playoffs and talk a little bit about that. And uh, and then after the season, man, we'll get into some some draft stuff, some camp stuff, and it, it'll be fun. So uh, again, keep a lookout for the Sports Uncovered show. Uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be live. You'll get to see my my face on camera. I'm learning how to present. I'm learning how to you know, do do everything, man. So, um, like I said, I thank you guys for rocking with me. And we will be back next Wednesday for the fantasy show as we head into the fantasy playoffs. And then next Friday again as we head down the stretch of the, the season. So, uh, thank you for listening. Sideline to Sideline Podcast. We out.